Hi ho, Mishka Shabali here. Uh, we are back. Um, been, been an interesting couple of weeks. I had my birthday, uh, which was cool and fun, and also terrible because I am older. Um, killer party with uh, Shauna Christmas and Ron Babcock and Ryan McKee, uh, Full Metal Mel. Uh, myself, the, I had uh, so much fun because I wasn't really performing. I was just sort of talking shit between the comedians. And uh, man, it's so much more fun when you just you don't perform. You just hang out. Um, and then uh, weird emotional week last week, uh, first anniversary of my friend Mark Lanigan's passing. Um, conveniently located one week after my birthday, so I can go from. Uh, from having a weird, uh, good feeling and then, uh, just feeling so sad. Uh, I had a long, long, weird dream about Mark last night that we were all sort of hanging out together. And I think we were like getting together to make a record or it, there were a bunch of people there. His wife was there. Alan was there. Um, a lot of his sort of musical peers and me just hanging out, feeling weird. Um, but at one point, I, um, I I made a gift to him of a piece of art that my mother had made, which was a stained glass um, piece. Not just sort of traditional stained glass, but uh, like a sort of a file folder, a wooden file folder with pieces of glass cut in the shapes of mesas. Uh, looks like the uh, geographic geologic st structures of New Mexico and I had gifted that piece to uh to Mark and he loved it um so that was the weird sort of shred that I woke up with in my head this morning after having a long a long articulate dream about him the I don't know I don't need to talk more about it it's the um an absence I think I will feel for the rest of my life the um but still mostly positive at this point um, the, my, my guest today, uh, a man with many names, uh, Andy Baker, hack oddity, another fat guy cooks. Uh, he has played a ton of different roles in my life. Um, uh, first as, uh, the, the dick at the party. Um, I met him in 2008 in Panamint Springs in Death Valley, uh, with Stan Hope and crew. And uh, not a fan, not a fan. The not that I was great at that time, but uh, um, but he certainly wasn't. Uh, but somehow we stayed in touch or stayed connected, and then uh, reconnected one time when I was touring over in the UK, and then um, and now we're friends, and it's terrible. Um, he's 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 a rotten guy. The but <laughs> trying to figure out how to get into this. Uh, as I met, you know, when my friendship with Hack flourished and we really got to know each other, I got to see that there was so much more going on there um, than just him being a, uh, like, the funniest guy in the bar. Um, and he's, a, he's an incredibly intelligent and thoughtful dude. The not necessarily, not like... Um, a uh, book smart nerd, but a nerd about humanity um, and just a very 
sensitive guy. Not like I'm sensitive. Doesn't get his feelings hurt all the time. Although I have occasionally hurt his feelings. The um, But he's he's intuitive. He knows what's up with other people. And it was... I'm surrounded by people who are sort of continually quitting uh, comedy or music or their podcast, uh, myself included. And... Hack didn't do anything. He had nothing to quit. Um, but he was he was the guy who should be doing a thing. And then uh, during COVID, uh, when I was like sitting on my hands and doing nothing, he smartly started a an online or a YouTube cooking show called Another Fat Guy Cooks. And it's kind of fucking brilliant. And um, the I don't watch it because he's my friend and uh, I, I get enough of him. <laughs> uh, but I support it. And... What's been really interesting for me is, as a friend, to see how his life has changed from finally uh, investing in creating a thing, making a thing. Um, You know, on a selfish level, it's been fun to watch him squirm of like, oh, I made a thing. I hope people like it or I fucked it up or, you know, the um, and also to see like real excitement um, for him you know, building his garage out into like a little, a proper little sort of, um, kitchen studio, um, for him to make terrible videos of terrible food. Um, another part of hack that I've always found interesting is that he was born with two club feet and the, um, I'm always interested in how we are the way we are, why we are the way we are, what shaped us. Um, and, I've had the misfortune of sort of going back through my life and writing memoirs and going to therapy and to try and figure out what my motivations are and what drives me. And the, I don't know, it's not something that he and I often talk about, but we've talked about it a couple of times on the road when you're in the seventh hour of a six hour drive and you run out of other shit to talk about. Um, But just sort of how that, how that affected him as a kid. Um, it made him into a really abrasive hard ass made him uh incredibly uh quick on his feet um and uh made, and then somehow made him like incredibly funny and incredibly sensitive and um and incredibly confident the and i i don't know i think it's such an interesting journey the um, but I know hack in a million different ways. We our, our sort of friendship has um, we have a very full spectrum friendship from, uh, you know, bonding about our various artistic endeavors now and then also just the filthiest, worst possible jokes. So the um, I don't know, I've been beating around the bush uh, for a long time with this one, uh, getting him on the podcast, but I really love this conversation. So uh Please check out his cooking show, Another Fat Guy Cooks, on uh, on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all that stuff. Uh, Check out our Patreon here, which is patreon.com slash Mishka Shabali. And please enjoy my conversation with Hack Oddity. Mishka Shabali is catching up with friends who are Arguably more talented than him. Turn the light up. It, it does this look, which I thought would be annoying for you. You see the uh, flicker? When, when have you ever cared about whether something was annoying to me or I'm not? I'm trying to be nice. In fact, that's okay, though. 
The, oh, yeah, looks, it looks good. The, oh man, I'm getting uh getting homesick seeing your little uh your little my hobbit little, house. My little hobbit house. Yeah. Yeah. The, I've got uh, it back to back to myself again. My uh, my house bit is gone, so I'm back to alone again, which is fucking awesome. <laughs> the who did you have living there? <laughs> I had like this guy called Curtis, who's one of my warehouse guys that works for me. He was like fucking. He couldn't afford to get to work, and he was paying off debts and paying off loans on his car and shit. So, I uh, I asked him if he wanted to come and stay with me for cheap for a few months to try and get his shit back together. And and did it work? No, no. He spent it on drugs and then went back to being poor again after I kicked him out. See, you're just like me. We're we're both such fucking dummies. We think that we're hard asses, and then as yeah. soon as there's like. Um. Oh, this kitten only has two legs, and it just shits itself constantly. And we're like, "Oh, I'll take care of that. I can fix it." Mm-hmm. Yeah, my my life. I'm just gonna throw all of my life on hold and deal with this thing. Yeah, it's, the, it's good because it means you can focus on something about how your life's not falling apart. I you can uh, focus on somebody else's life falling apart instead. I just bought another like complete piece of shit car. Uh, yesterday for a thousand dollars and I was driving it home and I was like making a mental checklist in my mind of like all the things that I had to fix on it. And it's a lot. And the, and I was getting real excited. And then I was like, what, what is my fucking damage that I'm so excited to get this broken car home? That's just going to be a pit of repairs and you can headaches. Get them now that like the new, and they have like these things on that beep when you reverse, so you don't hit walls, and that like let you know when you're about to run out of gas, and and, <laughs> and, and when the van's about to overheat six times in the next hour. That what's the fucking fun of that? What's the mm-hmm. and I I I was out in California. The fun is supposed to be at the place that you're going to. So you're meant to be traveling from point A to point B, and A is home and B is where the fun is. What you try and avoid is creating extra shit between the two. Andy, I'm gonna no. The I think we both know that the the real treasure is not silver or gold, but the friends we disappointed along the way. <sighs> I'm not <laughs> laughing at that. <laughs> it's it's a little too close to home. <laughs> well, I, I was already. Do you, need, do, you need, do you need to do an introduction or something? Uh, the don't tell me what to do. The I'll do a. Uh, I'll record a little header at the front and tell everybody okay. who you are and uh, and how we fell into this. But no, uh, but yeah, no, we're we're doing it. We're in it. Okay, uh, I'm I'm inside you already. Yeah, oh, you, you're gonna you you're gonna tell you me something tell? about California. Uh, you bit like the red hot chili peppers. Yes, the, I was. <laughs> uh, I was feeling Californication. No, mm-hmm. I uh, I had to drive out there. I I sold my nephew this old car, um, which predictably you know uh, broke down on the way out there, and then he parked it and then didn't do anything with it for two years, and then was like, mm-hmm. I, I need to get rid of this thing, and I was like, Yeah, no, I knew it, so I bought it back from him, but had to go out there. My friend Sam let me borrow his So he truck. bought a Lord ornament, basically. Yeah, yeah. The, but I mean, whatever. <laughs> he was like 19 and he wanted to. And and the I'm not his parent. I mean, because parents was 19, are like. He <laughs> didn't really understand how money worked. You're a dick. <laughs> and he bought like a $1,000 lawn ornament. 
I, I gave him a good deal on it. And I didn't want to be that. I didn't want to be that person who's like, oh, this is a dumb idea. So you can't do it. Like, I'm the uncle. My role is to be like, yeah, fucking drink a Red oh, no. Bull and like push your Absolutely. sister. You know? <laughs> but only if it doesn't benefit you directly. Yeah, the, no, this didn't. Well, <laughs> that's uh, act two of this okay. fucking screenplay, which is where I had to drive all the fucking way out there and pick it up. I paid him, you know, what I uh, what I sold it to him for. They hadn't back. appreciated in the meantime. No, dude, the he he left it uncovered, so the fucking thing rusted. Nineteen sixty one Studebaker. Ah, uh, but um, my friend Sam let me borrow his truck, and uh. Because apparently he didn't want to like have to drive out to the middle of the desert to pick me up when my truck broke down, and mm -hmm. uh, the and uh, I didn't realize until I got there that it was a new truck with like seven thousand miles on it and everything on it worked. And holy shit, Baker! Like, have you been driving one of these? Like, it's fucking amazing. It's wild. That's the only thing I've like, been driving. They're just, great. You put your foot down, they go forward. The, like, they're amazing remember when you had that new truck when we were on tour and it was like full of coke and you left it idling <laughs> i've done that so many times i um i there's a good one the other week where i um i went to the pub and parked it outside on a main road outside some really dodgy looking houses and uh went in the pub and accidentally pressed the um boot trunk release button on my keys <laughs> while I was drinking. So about three hours later, I come out and cars just sat there with this fucking with the boot open with the trunk just wide open to the world and uh, went to go and get inside it. And this guy pokes his head out of this little meth den that I just poked, like parked the car next to. He says, don't worry, buddy. I was keeping an eye on it for you. <laughs> this this is the most fucking hack oddity story ever of, oh, you had a couple of drinks and then suddenly your back door opened. <laughs> That's a few times. Yeah, and you found a little meth hobbit in there. I swear, my 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 search algorithm is so broken at the moment. The things I get suggested are all anal related. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> that I like that the uh, the internet is just slowly making you gay. Is it making you gay, gay or is gay. it making you realize you're gay? It's making me gayer. I think <laughs> a little from column A and a little from column mm -hmm. a little from column B and a little from column gay. So was this? I've never obviously I've never listened to this podcast because it's yours. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> so what's the deal? Do we do we have to like sort of act like you know we're nice to each other and and stuff, or can we just can we just be normal? Well, no. I mean, the opening part of the podcast is uh, we take our shirts off. So, so let's do that now. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, rethinking that one, aren't you? Oh, <laughs> I had no idea that it would be so good. <laughs> that sucks. I was like, <laughs> uh, and this is a non this is a non visual medium too. So those are the best breasts I've seen all week. <laughs> Wow. Well, that's because, you know, are you even seeing anybody at the moment? No. Is that a big insult or not? No? Yes. The... You are seeing somebody. No, I'm not. Yes, it's no, a big insult. Seeing... Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um... No, it's the the podcast thing. It's, you know, funny. I woke up this morning and it's my birthday, which you haven't told me happy birthday yet. You I posted a thing. Oh, that's right. You did. All right. Never mind. The um, podcast is canceled. The um, 
and somebody messaged me and they were like, Hey man, happy birthday. Huge fan of yours. I really love the podcast you do with rich roll. Um, you're ever going to do that again. And I was like, motherfucker, you know that I have my own podcast, right? That I put shit up every single week, every week for a year. The, it's just, it's so hard to get the word out. Now we're just going to fucking, we're just going to talk. We're going to catch up. I have a couple of things I want to quiz you about, but. Um, okay. The, but also the, one of the things like when you're doing a podcast that nobody listens to, it really frees you up to do whatever the fuck you want. Well, and, you see, I was thinking that, but then I was also thinking like, do I make that joke? Probably don't make that joke. Cause it's just going to be extra editing for Mishka. <laughs> Yes, the you know, yeah. like the fact that I that that's the first fully developed set of breasts you've ever seen. Now you're gonna have to cut around that. <laughs> I mean, cutting around your breast is something I had already planned to do. I was just gonna Photoshop them onto uh, onto a mannequin. I, I, I was really gonna not say it, but then. <laughs> The uh this quickly writes down the timestamp of the video for the edit later. <laughs> so I could just loop it into a GIF. <laughs> like would cut this part. It's out fine. And... I'm recording too. <laughs> <laughs> no, the one of the it, so it's it's been a year now that I've been doing this, which is weird. Mm -hmm. Um Something I, yeah, never I was going want. through your I was going through your back catalog the other day. I mean, I'm not, I, li I listened to a few little bits, but just seeing all the people you've interviewed, and I am by far the least interesting so far. <laughs> <laughs> the it's well, I mean, I feel like I started out with an idea of how I wanted it to go, and then one of the things that's that's come out of it, um, I mean, it's it's you've done those podcasts that where they're like themed and they ask you five questions and it's like fucking taxidermy. There's no, mm -hmm. there's no life to it. And no. the, one of the things that's come out of this is that um, I'm horrible at like visiting with people or just talking mm -hmm. to people like chatting, fucking hanging out that I like, I've, I've always got to be doing something or we've got to be accomplishing something, mm -hmm. which rather than try and remedy that character flaw, I've, decided to just turn it into a podcast yeah, and it's because you're sober because i can't do that either i can do it when i drink like i can hang out with my friends and talk shit drunk but i can't just go around to a friend's house to catch up the fuck am i gonna say to them yeah the it's i i always thought that it was like a sober problem because i used to be able to just fucking sit on a bar stool for 10 hours and just mm -hmm. shoot the shit forever and uh and not do anything um and then when i got sober i became like this whatever this is and then um but then i was talking to my sister one day and she was like huffing and puffing when we were on the phone and i was like i'm used to this from my friends but not you like what's going on the, and she was like oh i i'm just i'm doing my exercises while we're on the phone and mm -hmm. i was like man oh so it's it's like my family that like we mm -hmm. all have to be doing three things at the same time while we're so yeah I've got, I've got the same thing i can't like watch a film i have to watch a film while playing a game on my other screen and pissing around on my phone you know yeah. like that's why yeah. i can't read books i know you're so pissed off at me about this but it's why i can't read a book <laughs> reading a book is the only thing that you can 
you just have to do on its own completely. Like yeah. audiobook, great. I can drive an audiobook. I can do the fucking washing an audio, but you know, everything else I can do alongside another task. But you know, reading a book and actually sitting down and just my brain doesn't buy into it enough. Yeah. I was I mean, this isn't going to prevent me from giving you shit for not reading my stuff in the future. However, I'm the same way. I teach writing. And mm -hmm. every year before I go into the workshop, I'm like, oh, fuck, I better read a book because I haven't read one single book this year. And mm -hmm. I'm about to sit down with a bunch of sort of like writing hopefuls to talk to them about writing and the dying art of reading and writing. And it's died in me. And, and part mm -hmm. of it is the, you know, is sort of our world of an infinite number of screens. Um, and also I feel like the, like we all just have brain damage from that, that it's, it's impossible to just focus on one thing to do one thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, what do they call it? It's like the endorphin for overdose thing where we're just so used to just a constant slew of reward chemicals in our brains that the second we don't get that, it's just, we're just instantly bored and scratching at the walls. Yeah. I think about that scene from seven where there's the, um, the addict. What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> Not that scene, the other scene. Oh. <laughs> the, um, you know, where this person's just been living there and they've, you know, the they've just become an appetite, but because they have that constant drip of heroin, they've they they just have lingered there in the bed, you know. Maybe a little bit attacked by this. <laughs> <laughs> the I don't know. It is what it is. The um What's what's going on with your podcast? This see, this is one of the things that I want to talk I about. Don't have is, a podcast. Stop calling it a podcast. With your little fucking cooking show, whatever the your, your theater project, your one man <laughs> show, <laughs> your fat cast, your food My cast. Fat cast. Fat cast. <laughs> I'm just gonna write that down. Here. Your, your podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going good. I uh, I took. Um, for those who don't know, I have a I have a um, a YouTube cooking show that I started about two years ago, just well, just as COVID started, as a way of keeping sane. That you talked me into doing because you've been hassling me to do something vaguely creative for the last ten years, and um, and yeah, it's been going good. I do a weekly episode. I just basically teach myself how to cook something in the week and then cook it up for the show on the weekend record it usually ends up being vaguely entertaining and uh and it's still fun for me i think just about so yeah i'm so curious about this process because i i'm surrounded by people who are always threatening to quit comedy and i'm like just go mm -hmm. ahead and do it and the and you're the funniest person i know and you've um, and probably the only redemptive thing about you is that you've never had aspirations of being a comedian and the I've and but it all but when we were hanging out before you started doing the show, it always just seemed like a waste because you were um, so fucking funny, so creative, so smart. Um, and also you have this full spectrum sense of humor of the from obviously the filthiest gutter profanity to some pretty highbrow shit the um and i was just like the hack should be doing a thing and you you seemed diametrically opposed to it until covid happened and then 
And then finally you fucking went in on it. Like what was the think, tipping point? So I think it was because I, I mean, I obviously deep down always agreed with you, but I also got annoyed at the constant, like you should be doing something with your life. sort of you know, the kind of shit, because, you know, I'm running a business and fucking employing four people who have decent incomes because and of what I've problems. done. And oh, whatever. But, you know, it's like <laughs> just because it's not in entertainment doesn't mean it's not a thing. And a lot of people I find who are musicians, comedians, fucking whatever, seem to think that if you're not, you know, aiming towards doing something that's entertainment based, then you're ruining, you know, you're wasting your life. So that let, that let, let me jump in here just to say. You're totally right. And I totally agree with you. I, my friend, Matt Micheletti uh, is a comic, very funny guy, very, very consistent performer. He can fucking win anybody over. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm always like the, why aren't you doing more? And he was like, because I don't want to fucking drive six hours to play to six people. You know, the so I I absolutely am guilty of what you're saying that the the things that I want to do in my head, I'm yeah. like, that's the only thing, you yeah. know, but but it's I mean, but at the same time, you know, obviously, conversely to that, well, not conversely to that, but, you know, along with that is that. I did want to do something, you know, I, I, I also did want, you know, I, I, you know me, I'm fucking like a huge applause monkey attention hall. You know, if I'm not the funniest person in the room, I'm trying to be the funniest person in the room. And if that doesn't work, I'll just go find a shitter room <laughs> <laughs> until, until I am. So, that, you know, and so when COVID hit, um, the job went away. And I was still being paid because we live in a country where, you know, they treat people vaguely like people and not all the time, but a little bit more than you. But um, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just going to get comments if I go too much into that. No, fucking go uh, for it, dude. Fuck. Uh, yeah. Uh, fuck, go for anyway, it. Anyway, <laughs> but, you know, I, I basically was sat at home doing fuck all for a year or maybe a bit less than a year or whatever, getting paid my full wage pretty much to just sit and do nothing. So I was going insane. I, I tried alcoholism. I tried, um, I tried doing lots of painkillers. Uh, I tried smoking weed to oblivion. I, I went through literally, you know, Coke, everything. I went through all the drugs that I could get hold of because obviously it was hard to get hold of everything because of fucking COVID. So, and then sort of realized that I was bad at doing all of those. Cause I'm too much of like a fucking grown up these days to like get too wasted and um and then it's like okay i'm gonna have to do something to keep me sane and i think me and you were talking about me doing a podcast or me doing something we were just chatting on facebook and i think a cooking show i I think it was you i was talking to when the cooking show idea kind of popped up and thought fuck it yeah you know i'll i'll give it a go and it um because i love cooking i love i love i love eating obviously i mean you can't see me right now but i'm sure there's a picture of me uh on this podcast thing that you can see that i'm a big fat fuck and um i love eating i love cooking i love feeding people i like playing around with food i like working on shit and doing my own recipes and stuff and you know i also like talking shit so perfect combination it's so funny to me that uh, that you were like, I need something to, f- to make me feel better. And I'm willing to try everything and anything, exhaust every possibility before I try doing something creative. 
Mm-hmm. Like the, I just was, didn't want you to be right. That was your dead last option. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, the, the the short period where I tried sounding was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, well, we can't get fentanyl over here, so I guess I'll try making a thing. <laughs> well, you know, like, well, apparently, if you put it up the back, it goes. You get it in the way quicker. But I thought, well, what about putting it in the front? <laughs> Wait, did you really put drugs in your? No, I didn't put. No, I didn't. But funny story. <laughs> well, try tonight. <laughs> um, did you? Did you ever meet um, my friend Uzi? Yeah, yeah. I think you did. Yeah. So we were at a. Um, oh, I love this. We were at a. Um, <laughs> freaking, I think it was called a slag do. So it was like a mixture of a stag do and a hen do, and it was it was just you know like sort of both at the same time. And we were at this cabin in the middle of nowhere, out in the. Um, the hills between Sheffield and Manchester. You know that drive. We've done yep. that drive where it's just <laughs> yep. not, where it's just nothing. And um, we were all just we had we had so much MDMA, like we there was just so much of it. And at one point, my friend Ollie and my friend Uzi both at the same time basically dared each other to cram MDMA crystal crystals up their piss holes for the amusement of everybody else there and they did um and i don't know what it did apart from make us all laugh (laughs) yeah that's the thing that happened you've railed mdma before right oh of course yeah we used to do warp dust all the time which was when we just got like half mdma half coke mixed it all together and then just left a pile of it on the table and we just call that warp dust and just knock off rails of that (laughs) one after another the if memory serves snorting molly fucking hurts yeah man it's like glass it's, it's like <laughs> literally snorting like shattered glass that is <laughs> that's why we cut it with the coke because just snorting we wanted to just snort molly but we're pussies so we thought we cut <laughs> it with the coke <laughs> that kind of makes it vaguely palatable and uh, and yeah don't do drugs <laughs> I love so much that you are like, oh, we need to cut this Molly with something. Let's let's use Coke. There's no, twice the price. You're like, we, we have no baby aspirin available. You guys don't have any laxatives, do you? All right, fuck. We're gonna have to cut it with Coke. The, also, the let's just take a take a moment to appreciate getting to a point in our lives, you know, like where when we were kids of like, oh, you know, I. I stole this thing of margarita mix off my mom and we're, we're all going to chug it and get tummy aches. Cause there's no fucking alcohol in it to now being adults where you're like, at the end of the night, you're like, we have so many fucking drugs left over. And like, I have to resume my normal life tomorrow. Do you guys want to take some of this home with you? Like I'll grab a Tupperware yeah. container. Like no, literally <laughs> I, I, I will come home from parties now with like, you know, a gram of Coke and a couple of pills. And I only really fancy doing a little bit tonight, just enough to keep me going and you know, whatever. And then I'll just come home and put it on the shelf and it will sit there and it will yeah. sit there till I go out again. And that, like, this one, the one, this, I mean, this obviously just, you know, circles around perfectly to talking about addiction and all that kind of shit. But, you know, like, food is the only thing I can't put down. <laughs> like, like, 
everything else I can just come in and out of, give a take, you know, do a little bit. Do a little. Uh, there was um, a friend that I stayed with recently, and we do need to keep his name completely out of it. Um, but a friend, uh, you, you'll know who I mean, but I say I, I know who it is already. Yeah, <laughs> and um, he had um, he had a, an extra. I'm trying to tell this story without because I know he'll be pissed, but. Um, he had a uh, amount of methamphetamine um, that someone had given him in trade for weed. And I'd never done it before because it just doesn't exist in England in my circles. I've never seen it. Oh, wow. So for the first couple of days, he was just like, if you just take a little bit and have a, have a little smoke and have like a couple of before before 12 o'clock, you feel nice for the rest of the day and then it's just done and you feel quite nice. You can like microdose it. It feels good. And he was completely correct. It was just like, yeah, this feels nice. This just feels like doing a little bump of coke and and just get it on with your day. So it was the second, third to last day that I was there. I was just like, I I kind of want to see where the line is. <laughs> <laughs> so I smoked meth all day. And, <laughs> and stopped at around about 10 o'clock at night. And was up all of that night, obviously. And then the next day felt more up for some reason and was up all of that day as well. And then was up all of the next night and then spent the day after that in the fetal position, just like occasionally crying out like a newly born kitten for someone to bring me a sandwich. <laughs> just like... <laughs> but really enjoyed it great drugs see why it ruins people's lives never want to do it again the one of the things that lanigan said uh to me was you know obviously you know never get strung out on heroin but if you do one way to get off heroin is by smoking meth mm -hmm. that you can just yeah, i can see that you can smoke meth through like through the period of time where you would be physically kicking heroin and mm -hmm. the and then you like you don't feel the kick but then you just then you're fucking addicted to meth. Yeah. The, yeah, I could absolutely see, like, my friend had to... I stopped at 10 o'clock because my friend made a few comments about maybe you should stop now. <laughs> you know, and I listen. So, yeah. But, um, but no, I mean, you know, four out of five on good route, you know, on whatever fucking... Trip advisor. Trip advisor, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good, good stuff, but... The, Don't do it. <laughs> this is one of the, you know, this is like the conundrum about the, how old are you? You're almost 40. 38, 38, 38. The, um, that's the conundrum of reaching this age is that um, being an addict is fucking boring and irresponsible. And, um, and at this point it feels a little bit like drama queenery. You know, like you're still going through something very teenage and it's like mm -hmm. fucking knock it off. Um, and also, of course, it's scary and people die. You know, they don't, don't want to just blot that out of the record. But the but also um, having kids and a 401k and being completely sober and going to yoga every morning, that's also fucking boring you know, and people will lecture me again and again about how, um, oh, you know, the slow pleasures of life and how enriching it is. And you see all the different nuances and, and some of that's true. And also that they're like, they're, I, 
I still, I'm not yet done with my life of having that part where you're laughing so hard for so long that you think something bad is going to happen to your body. Yeah. Where you absolutely. feel like your fucking abdomen is going to cave in. And, and, and also they always use that same excuse of fucking like, oh yeah, but you don't get to reap the benefits until you do it. It's like, you know, oh yeah, but having kids, it's like, once you have them, then you just instantly love them more than anything and it's totally it's like, yeah that's how heroin works it's like if i explain to you how good it is you're not gonna believe me well, the, <laughs> but the if i is, give you, you some the other thing is that you can fucking come down from heroin you can get yeah. off heroin you can't unhave kids you can't well, unfire that bullet casey <laughs> anthony <laughs> all right <laughs> hashtag i'm with her yeah, you can. I mean, you know, you can. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's in, inconvenient. The, um, the, but yeah, I mean, that's the. I mean, my, my mom said that she was like, you know, the you don't get to choose the kids you have, and and you can't you can't give them back. You know, the um, but also the. I mean, let's be honest here. I mean, there is hard science that where they've or hard science there's empirical data where they've taken polls of people who have had children and people who haven't had children and what and the end result of that spoiler alert i'll cut to the end is that fucking you and i are right mm -hmm. that the lives that we're leading are better more fun more satisfying more environmentally conscious because the, you and i on our worst days can't fucking generate as much plastic garbage as a child does yeah, you know? if you if you fully bake one of your cream pies, it causes a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> Leave them alone. <laughs> just, just go spack or something. <laughs> But, I, I, I've had a friend who dropped that into me once about two years ago where he just referred to one of his kids as a fully baked cream pie. And I, I still haven't stopped laughing about it. I really hope that that's what he's going to say like at his kid's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Or like, your honor, <laughs> we had no idea this fully baked cream pie was going to kill so many people. <laughs> but the I honestly think the, and, I mean, also, uh, Chelsea Handler has been getting a lot of shit lately for post, uh, posting something on Valentine's Day talking about how uh, how oh I saw that yeah how the, good her life is because she's not got any kids yeah and the yeah. Uh, and so many people are uh, bagging on her and she's right and it's true and the data is there you know I mean there's definitely I do feel I have moments of acute loneliness the where i think where i look at my crumbling body in the mirror like the bottom of a bag of potato chips and i think who will inherit this mess when i can't yeah. um and i you know i live in but fear we both have younger sisters so fuck them <laughs> they get the bag <laughs> that, well in, in my situation too like my sister had four kids and it's i was like man mm. even if half of them are fucking dealing with you that leaves two to look after me yeah so I'm, i had I'm just exactly gonna, the like, same thought i had exactly the same thing of just like you know, when my parents had died, we'd gone and, you know, I've just got my friends and whatever. And then something happens. Who's going to look after me? I have a little sister that's six years younger than me. <laughs> Tub yeah. shit. Give you her get my, me now. Give her my number. The, um, <sighs> <Ugh>. <laughs> but the, 
I don't know. It, I definitely, every once in a while, I do have like a twinge where I'm like, oh, you know, the, but it's like, I, I held my friend's uh, baby the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw and the picture, I think, from the, Facebook. I, I like babies. Babies are great. The, they're, um, they're fine. The, they, they don't talk. They don't, they're not racist. They, yeah. they, they're not anti trans. Yes. They don't, they don't like shoot up schools. <laughs> yeah, they're, exactly. They're, they're the, all right. You know who else doesn't do that? My fucking dog. Yeah. <laughs> I can, and for the cost of one baby, I can have millions of dogs. I can have mm-hmm. as many dogs as I want. I can be a weird old dog guy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it just seems like a vast. <laughs> I like you're not already a fucking weird old dog guy. I swear <laughs> to God, man, some of the pictures you post on the fucking internet of you in bed with your dog just like, like I, I understand because I've seen you in person and been around you and your animals and understand that you know i've spent enough time with you that if you did fuck your dog i probably would smell it on either it or you but (laughs) but other people don't know that and the stuff you post i i you know (laughs) it's uh strictly funsies no pokey that's the that's the medical term for it oh no i know it is it just doesn't seem that way (laughs) (laughs) it's the yeah i guess i do i do love my animals probably too much and i think it's uh i think it's incredibly tiresome to watch other people obsessed with their animals and i also know that i'm one of them Mm -hmm. you know the i i had my cat did you mean i think you met my cat before it got hit by the car you know i love that fucking cat the cat was the best thing in the world. But, you know, then he got hit by a car and it died, and I was very sad for a bit, and now I'm fine again. So, you know, have that's you, the good uh, thing about animals. Have you thought about getting another cat? Yeah, I've been looking recently. I've been on the um, local shelters and stuff and checking. I, I just, I'm not a good, I'm a good enough person that I will adopt an animal instead of buying one but I am not a good enough person that I will adopt an old, ugly animal. (laughs) (laughs) So so I'm sort of waiting because all the, all the, all the cats on there at the moment are like seven years, 10 years older, you know, and older. And it's like, I want a cat, but I kind of do just want a kitten as well. And I know you're not just going to be able to adopt a kitten because people like kittens. There's a queue for kittens. But like, I also just kind of want something a bit younger than, you know, half dead. You're the Leonardo DiCaprio of cats. I get exactly. Yeah, the, exactly. Did, I, did you see the thing I put up on Facebook yesterday? I was so proud of myself. The, what? Tell me. The the bottle about you know look look I think this whole Leonardo DiCaprio thing is getting really fucking old so old in fact that he wouldn't fuck it <laughs> you asshole <laughs> <laughs> the, well fucking these these cats are aren't in a hurry to adopt you either all right <laughs> no well this is the thing as well which is you go to a dog shelter right and all the dogs are sat with their little fucking stupid faces pressed up against the fucking glass, like barking, looking pathetic and like, no, please rescue me. Take me home. And you feel like absolute shit. And it just, it's an awful experience. You go to a cat shelter. They just, they're chill. Cats just sat there looking down on you. (laughs) They don't give a shit. 
I think trying to adopt a cat is a little bit like online dating where like the you're like, oh, I yes, I need I need, yes. you know, I need I need something, but it's got to be the right something. And then you're looking at the cat and you're like, ah, oh, not that one. Like I have standards. It's it's we have standards between, for, for everything except it, for ourselves. It's the difference <laughs> between the online dating experience for men and for women. Like for, for men, you know, you basically you want everything and nothing wants you. <laughs> Whereas for women, it's just like, yeah, just you pick one and it'll come and eat your pussy. It's fine. Doesn't matter. Any of them, they might kill you, but they will they'll at least eat your pussy after. Oh. <laughs> and maybe more. Maybe, maybe maybe they'll clean their plates. The uh, let's uh, let's get back to food. Okay, that was the the worst transition. Mm-hmm. Um, because you said that you know that's the the one you know we were talking about sort of in praise of uh, responsible recreational drug use. The mm-hmm. and um, and you said that food is your addiction, and that that's the mm-hmm. one substance that you um. That fucking gives me a chill, dude, because really because well, yeah, well, because um, because you can say I'm never going to do meth, you know, that shit's Mm -hmm. too good. Or you can be a drunk like me and then hit a wall and then be like, I lost. I abused that privilege. That privilege got taken away. I can never drink again. But you can't quit food (laughs) right (laughs) yeah i mean you can but there's only one way to you can i mean yeah it's it's it's, so i mean i don't know where it i think i think it came from originally me spending i mean i've I've, I've told you about this before but i i was born with double club feet spent a large period of my adolescence in hospitals having operations and you know have the left leg in cast for four months, then have a month off and then have the right leg in cast for four months and then a month off and that for eight years, basically just having different operations and stuff. And during that time, obviously the only thing that I had was computer games and food. That was, you know, that was, that was it, you know, friends would come around occasionally, but you know, who wants to go fucking hang out with the fat disabled kid. So food just became the thing that, you know, made me feel better. And is as always always kind of has. So obviously I'm aware of it now. So I try and be as careful as humanly possible. And uh obviously I'm still, you know, morbidly obese, which I'm of always working on uh and trying to trying to fix. But um yeah, it, it also sucks that my sort of my addiction is also my hobby is also my way of staying alive. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, it's it's dense for you. The when when you were like the, you know, I'm morbidly obese and I'm always working on it. And I was like, yeah, some days you're working in one direction instead of the yeah, other. <laughs> absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I, I had a fan come up to me at a show and, and, you know, he had lost a hundred pounds and he was like, you know, yeah, you, it was tough. You know, I'm not going to compare it to, you know, your struggles with alcohol. And I was like, bro, you, you have it way worse. You know, the, like, cause I can, ju- I can just stop, you know, the it's, you know, the thing about your club feet too, it's 
what you described sounds like something out of like fucking Abu Ghraib or, you know, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> medi- some a medieval. Pun- Let's take a child mm-hmm. and then uh, devote their entire childhood to like public shame, pain and torture and isolation. And that's how you make hack oddity. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, if we're, I mean, if if it's a cooking show and if we're looking at the, the recipe, that's uh, that, I mean, that's, it seems like that's the main ingredient that that one is like the, I, I, um, because I spent so much time. I mean, luckily for me, I got the best of both worlds because I got amazing NHS treatment through our nationalized health service. Keep your voice Um, down. (laughs) And also, when there were elective things that were potentially a bit better than the NHS would do the, you know, would mo- you know, cost money. My dad um, had a really good job at the time. So then we also paid for the, for the good stuff as well. So I had like nine operations spread across both legs. So like, probably like, I don't know, it was like, I can't even remember. It was like seven to nine on each leg. So, you know, each one was a separate thing and took extra time because they'll never do both at the same time because they don't like to have you completely crippled. So they just do one leg, let you recover, then do the other leg. It's a great way to spread it out. So like you, can oh, see, you feel like an outcast for your entire fucking life. Yeah, exactly. Um and during that time, you I think you've heard of this show. Like um you, you heard of the show Red Dwarf? Yeah, dude. We talked yeah, about I'm, love, I'm like yeah, the, you love, you love I'm the other Red Dwarf fan. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, I, I became a huge fan of that when I was like, I don't know, maybe like 11, 12 years old. I think that's when it started. And would watch it with my dad constantly. And every time I, I looked forward to having the operations because I knew that as soon as I was in convalescence, all my family and friends would come visit me and they would all bring me a Red Dwarf VHS. And back in the day, a Red Dwarf VHS would have three episodes on it. So you'd have like two seasons on two VHSs. So I'm just like hoping that enough people would come to catch me up <laughs> to where the season was. And I would, and luckily because the hotel, the, the, the hotels, the hospitals I was in were quite nice. I'd have my own TV VHS player on like a, you know, like a school stand thing that they wheel in and they're like you know here you can watch this so i would just sit in bed and watch red dwarf fucking 12 hours a day and uh and sleep and i honestly think like 90 percent of my personality and sense of humor came from watching red dwarf as a kid wow that's uh man that's fucking heartbreaking the i mean it it, it is sort of like you as uh tiny tim in a christmas carol <laughs> like and i wasn't even fat then as well i was all <laughs> normal i was all normal fat didn't come until like 14 15 after my last operation i like, love that you're like trying to convince people no i was a sexy orphan <laughs> i was i was a sexy little shutting orphan kid sat in the window looking across the street seeing somebody get murdered in the opposite house and then not being able to do anything about it yes that was based on me <laughs> The your your childhood is is 
always fascinating to me because I know you, you know, obviously like post surgery and stuff and the, and like, you know, you have a little uh, gangsta lean to your walk, but the, mm-hmm. um, but it's not something that sticks out as the most prominent in my mind until like, you know, we were on tour together and like walking all over the place and you were like, for fuck's sake, like, I can't, I literally can't take another step. Like my feet don't fit in shoes like the, you yeah. know, and then I was like, oh fuck you know i gotta be really careful and like not put andy on the third floor of a hotel with with no elevator (laughs) yeah i know where this is going (laughs) but what um i don't know as a writer one of the things that's really interesting to me about your childhood and going through this um is that i feel like it's made you both uh terribly cruel and Mm -hmm. also uh incredibly empathetic yeah, I, I I would agree with that. I I like to think that the cruelness is usually directed in the right places, but like I am always so aware of other people being uncomfortable in situations. Like if I see somebody, like I'm always looking for the person who looks like they're having a bad time for whatever reason in any group because of whatever reason, whether it's because they're just uncomfortable or because they're back hurt or because they're they're sitting on a chair that they find to be uncomfortable or, you know, like they're eating something and they're not particularly enjoying, you know, like I'm just looking for that all the time because I'm in that position all the time. You know, I'm whenever I go out with any of my friends or we go out for a beer or whatever, Obviously, I'm in the moment. I'm having fun. I'm enjoying the night out, but I'm also 50% in, okay, they're going to want to go to another pub soon. That pub is probably 0.8 miles away. I can do 0.8 miles. That'll be fine, but then I won't be able to stand at the bar and drink. I'll have to go and find somewhere to sit there. You know, and I'm I'm working this out in my head constantly because I know that I've got a limit of how much time I can spend on my feet when I'm out. Because if I go over a certain limit, the next morning I won't be able to get out of bed and walk. So I, I'm trying to pass that so that I can be okay tomorrow. And like how most people think about hangovers, I'm thinking about how much time I'm spending on my feet. And then I'll do a shitload of MDMA and Coke, go and <laughs> dance to Limp Biscuit on a dance floor for three hours nonstop completely forget everything have an awesome night go home wake up in the morning and had to butt scoot down my stairs because i can't walk down them and hoist myself back into my chair (laughs) you know so yeah there's, there's a lot to there's a lot to think about but because i'm always thinking about that i'm always assuming that other people have things like that that they're thinking about so i'm sort of you know looking out for them i guess it's it's funny because I um, people with disabilities don't want to be defined by their disabilities. They don't yeah. want to be the you you know my blind friend or whatever the fuck the. But I know it, that I've certainly uh, I'm not like Andy the cripple. You know, the, and, and I've, I've gone in the other direction so many times of like forgetting or not, um, not comprehending the seriousness of the, that you have like X amount of feet 
to spend each day and when and when you run out then you're fucking you're broke <laughs> yeah basically yeah and, and the thing is like I, I don't know if this is all disabled people or whatever is i don't want sympathy i don't i don't want help i don't want any of those things all i want is for people to be aware of what my thing is and to not assume it's something else that that's what drives me fucking crazy is like if i'm on a night out and we're walking from pub a to pub b and it's a distance and i'm at the back and i'm being a bit slow and falling behind i don't want to be like oh come on fatty keep up you know that that drives me fucking crazy like i know you know it's like i get that i'm a big guy big guys can fucking walk you know it's not it's not you know have not being able to walk a big fat and not fucking related things so like i i let me go let me fucking hang back let me chill i'll catch up i'll fucking you know whatever but when people are just like oh come on you know just stop being fucking lazy stop being fat just fucking catch up it's like that is what really you know fucking pisses me off yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense um I'm also, while you were delivering that speech, I was trying so hard to memorize, come on, fatty, keep up, because I'm going to try, <laughs> I'm going to try and salt yeah. that in at the uh-huh. least appropriate time at some point in our friendship. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the... But you, you get what I mean, right? You, you you sort of I don't I don't want people to slow down for me. I don't I don't even want people to be like, oh, he's fell behind, we'll wait. I don't I don't even want that. I don't care about any of that. All you know, all I care about is just oh yeah, you know, Baker's got fucking weird feet. He'll catch up in a bit, he'll be fine. That, yeah, that's all yeah. I, that's all I want. I mean, no, that I mean that makes sense to me perfectly because that's how I feel about like um drinking and sobriety and shit like that i don't want somebody to fucking treat me with kid gloves and be like are Mm -hmm. you okay are you okay you know and the um uh, constantly checking on me the but they're you know i can be emotionally erratic or the after too long in a bar i'm just like i gotta fucking go or Mm -hmm. you know i I can't be in a i mean ironically one of the things that makes me feel better is walking or going for mm-hmm. a run or you know the like yeah. doing, doing the thing that's the worst and the annoying thing is that i love walking <laughs> like the first the first the first like you know mile where my feet don't hurt and i can just walk around and enjoy the fucking scenery and it's me and a girl walking between bars and we're just chilling it love that shit absolutely love it but just you know i just don't get much of it yeah the i i do feel too though that like um enduring that and living through that and then having to sort of manage that on a day-to-day um a day-to-day basis has somehow given you like incredible confidence completely undeserved as well (laughs) but 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 yeah yeah I, i it was it started off as a choice. It definitely started off as a decision. Because, I mean, I don't know if you had the same thing as me, but I think all men kind of go through, like, in their, I'd say, like, early 20s, through, like, an incel phase 
where they're just completely angry dickheads who yep. blame women for everything, talk about women like trash, and just act like complete pieces of shit for a certain amount of years. And most of us come out of it. You know, most of us pop out the other side as human beings. Some of us don't, but, you know, a lot, a lot of us do. And what, what point was I trying to make? Uh, we're talking about confidence. Yes. So basically I realized that, you know, the thing that I was lacking and making up for and the reason I was doing all this horrible shit and being an edgelord and being a prick and trying to piss people off is because I had no confidence. Is because I was trying to sort of substitute being loud and obnoxious for having confidence. And that's why I thought confidence was, was just being loud and mean and horrible to people and yes getting laughs but also you know upsetting people all the time and i realized that that wasn't the way that i wanted to spend the rest of my life is being a complete piece of shit and sort of transformed that into right well i'm just going to pretend that i'm fine everywhere you know and after a while of doing that it turned into actually feeling fine and then before you know it, yeah, I, I have been described as confident, which just comes from, you know, basically teaching myself to do it by just pretending to do it. I, I remember it's cl- me- cliche is cliche as fuck, but it's the fake it till you make it thing. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that's, you know. Yeah, I mean, cliches come from somewhere, you know, yeah. the, there's, you know, and the we have to sort of go back and re-envision them or reimagine them because you hear that so many times or fucking see it on Instagram, whatever. And then it means nothing. Mm -hmm. But if you unpack it, there really is something there. Um, But I I remember, dude, I remember meeting you in, uh, in Panamint and being like, fuck this guy, you know? And and immediately I was just like, Hey, the man, all these people here are so great, except for that guy, Andy, like he's the Mm -hmm. worst. And I get it. That was me at like 21 or 22. That was, uh, that was me, like, you know, at my worst, basically. To be fair, I, I, was, not, uh, I was not a real peach at that time either. The, oh, no. Uh, so no. I, was, I was going through some shit. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it is bizarre that, I, man, it, whenever I see guys like fucking Ben Shapiro and fucking Tar- Tucker Carlson, like, whining about how hard it is, I'm like, really, bro? Because I've I've fucking made so many mistakes. I've mm-hmm. fucked up so many times in my life. And the um said the wrong thing again and again, hurt so many people. And by and large, in general, I've found that um humanity and also the universe in general is like, ah, let's give him another chance. Let's give him another chance. It, co- just- it comes down to another cliche, which is, you know, that the energy you put out is the fucking energy that you get back, you know? Yeah. And it, again, another just disgusting fucking live, laugh, love cliche, but there's truth to it. There's If you stop being a piece of shit, you will be around less pieces of shit, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's really simple. And the power of fucking remorse and regret and expressing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just making an apology to to people of like, ah, that thing that I said, I that's not what I meant or that's not what I meant to say or that is what I meant to say. And having had you know lots of time yeah. to think about it, I was fucking wrong. 
you know the well, dude, that's that was... why we, we both did the the same thing which is i think come to a lot of this is why like the, the religious aspect of it is absolute bullshit but the 10 step program or whatever they fucking call it uh, you know the step, yeah 12 step program but like it has points it, you know it has good ideas it has the stuff in there that is fucking you know good advice which is Go back through your life and go fucking apologize to people. But we came to that on our own. We didn't need that to do it. Some people maybe need that to do, you know, to actually come to that. But I I went through my own 12-step program from being a cunt. (laughs) 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 You know, and I'm not to say, and and like like being an alcoholic, I will always be a cunt. But But I'm trying to be less of one every single day. One of the things, like one of the critiques I get from the sober community is that they say, oh, well, you know, a lot of the stuff that you um, that you preach that's worked for you is is directly out of AA. And I'm like, well, no, it's not directly out of AA. It's I invented it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's like out it's like, of common sense. It's like dumplings or quesadillas. Like every mm-hmm. fucking culture has their dumpling. Every culture has their fry bread, their noodle yep. dish, you know, whatever, the their tomato sauce. Yeah. And it's the and it it's not that the Italians stole it from, you know, Mexicans or Mexicans stole it from Italians or whatever the fuck. The it's the we all arrive at these conclusions yeah. on our own. And if you do the work on your own and figure it out on your own then it's yours then you Shit. own it so <laughs> oh no if you, if, what what do you know so so if you get a really really hot girl with a big ass and then somewhere else there's an identical really really hot girl with a big ass is that parallel thought I hate you so much. I ah oh, the god damn it. The, whenever I see you thinking, I just I feel a mixture of terror and horror and like regret that like I'm about to feel bad. Something bad is about it's dread. The it's yeah. The god damn it. It's pretty good though, right? <laughs> We were like on a roll, and then this, and this is this is, g- a Long Island, this is a Long Island iced tea, just for scale. <laughs> you're like, we were doing so good. We were like getting a good shit, and then you started like giggling into your fucking trough of alcohol and simple syrup. <laughs> mm. Um, where were we? Uh. Let's talk about your show a little bit. The okay. I want to talk more about what role it's played in your life. What it's, I mean, it. So you were doing like a podcast where you were having guests and, and the doing the um what what the hell the, the what was the name we came up for it the last oh, the meals? crime crime and nourishment crime and nourishment. So you were doing that for a minute of having mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I still do that. I mean I, I tend to do that every. I tend to do that every month or two. I'll throw one of those episodes in where I get somebody who is a celebrity in the sense that they have more followers on Twitter than me. A a micro celebrity. Yeah, exactly. Um, Get them on and use them as a weapon 
to get more engagement for my channel. Yeah, the that's a fucking pit that I've fallen into too, where I I, I want to just have the conversations I want to have with the people I want to have them with, and like not mm-hmm. give a shit about what the numbers are. But the but then you can see what the numbers are, so then you the. I just did um, the podcast that went up uh, yesterday was with my aunt Anita. I know. And the second I saw that, I was just like, no one's going to listen to that. (laughs) And and, and, and I, and I don't give a shit about it. No, exactly. It's it's one of the best things that I've ever done. You know, uh, my, let's see, I am 46. So my mom is 76. So Anita is 78. She's not going to live forever. You know, mm-hmm. the um, I hope she does because I fucking adore her. But but we sat down and we had this weird, funny conversation and it wouldn't have happened yeah. without the podcast. And I'm so proud of it. And the and if nobody listens to it, then fuck them. You know, the, yep. it, um, absolutely. It was valuable for me. But as somebody who's trying to like grow sustainability or whatever, the you know, I always fall in that trap of like. I hate celebrity driven shit and you have to do a little bit of that to get people to keep listening. Um, but and, mostly, you know, if you look at both, I, I would assume if you look at both of our choices of guests for your, for your show and for my show and plotted their following numbers on a graph it would start at the top and then just go down (laughs) as you you go through like who else do i know who's who can bring me people (laughs) also also, overwhelmingly i think that you and i have made the right decisions with what we're doing uh, where we're, we're choosing the good thing not the popular thing we're, we're, yes. we're choosing the conversations we want to have with the people we want to have them with people yeah. we find interesting, whether other people fucking get into it or not. And, uh, yeah. and I will, I, I will, I will go to my grave, you know, thinking that's the right thing to do, but the, cause I'm bringing you nobody. <laughs> <laughs> the, right. But also uh, how long have we known each other? And we've never had a conversation like this where we just, mm-hmm. or we sit down and I fucking, interrogate you about your life you oh know? i don't know we've, we've done this on like your sofa a few times i think yeah i guess that's true the, the drugs help the but one of the things i i do want to get to though is that the cooking show it's primarily a solo venture it's just mm-hmm. you and the camera oh, it's entirely a solo the, venture yeah you're just talking and making so occasionally making food always fucking up and the and then editing it and putting it together and stuff like that mm-hmm. the but you've been doing it for two years now year and a half the what has that process been like like what has it worked any magic for you in your life in your head in your relationship with yourself the, no. it, it is it, it, it has been so fucking rewarding for me yeah. having been on tour with you and you be so fucking unsympathetic with the like case of nerves I have before a show or before a tour. And then when mm-hmm. you have like an episode going up, you're like, oh, I can't sleep. And I'm like, ha ha, fuck you. It sucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I get nervous about it still. I, I mean, the, the worst thing about it to me is, is the editing. I, I like, I, 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 I love making the show. I love working on the recipes. I love standing up in my little fucking stupid studio that I've made in my garage. You know, I love doing all of that. What I 
fucking hate doing is sitting here in front of this screen and watching myself grunt, make dad noises, fart, fuck up, have sleep in my eye, have shit in my teeth, say stupid shit, not be able to pronounce words properly, and just basically be a complete moron for three hours and then cut that down to 10 minutes of a decent YouTube video. And that is, if anything, sometimes more detrimental to my mental health than actually creating the show as a benefit. But, you know, the feeling of putting the show out, uploading it, you know, doing the usual, like, fucking tweeting that it's going out and put on Facebook and, you know, doing all the shit that you do when you put something out, try and get as much engagement as you can. And then turning my phone off, fucking off for two or three hours to go and do something else, coming back and seeing that I've got, like, 50, 60 comments and messages and lots of likes and people talking about it. And what the best thing that I, I enjoy is when people aren't talking to me is when people are talking to each other about yeah, it. Yeah. You know, when people are, like, discussing it with each other is the the, the happiest I ever am because I can just sit back and see, like, yeah, these people are actually having a good time talking about something and whatever, of something that I've made. This is nice. I really enjoy this. When they involve you in it, it's a little bit less nice because then you have to <laughs> you have to explain and fucking you know go through all that with other people, which is fine. But it's so it, I really enjoy that just sitting back and seeing people like, oh, I can't believe he did this and he did that. That was a good idea. That was a, like, but that to me is the most cathartic thing that I I I have in my life. It's it's wild because. It's so rewarding to make a thing and watch other people take enjoyment out of it, whether it's food or a song or an article or a fucking tweet or, you know, the anything um, that's I think I feel like that's universally rewarding for people. And then also we turn it into a drug, you know, that you can't just have like a taco. It's the you've got to have all the tacos. You can't have or more fucking... tacos than I had last week. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, like or, or, or more tacos than the other person is getting or more. Ta- yeah. Well, lucky for me, I don't really know anybody who's like near my level. Like everybody that I listen to or watch is way above where I am or at that point where they're pissing into the abyss and making content and nobody's watching which is the bravest thing (laughs) whenever i see somebody with like a string of tweets with no likes i'm like you're a soldier and my fucking somebody with a youtube channel with like six subscribers that they've been putting videos out for the last four years and getting like six views of video it's just like you're a fucking hero like you're probably (laughs) massively mentally ill but but god damn like i couldn't do it i'm an applause monkey i need to see i need to see something coming back or i'll just give up yeah yeah that's why i was i never got into comedy or anything like that because i didn't want to fucking pay my dues i didn't i didn't want to stand in front of three other comedians and no actual audience four nights a week for two years to pay my dues and get good you know i'd i'm i don't want to do that i waited till one of my friends got famous enough that i could then 
do my show and instantly have a 300 person following. Thank you very much, Mishka. <laughs> the yeah, and yes, you know, I mean, I am a hero for pushing you to do this, but the but also the I, I know this will be hard for you to believe, but I, I feel guilty about it. That <laughs> okay, the, you feel guilty about a thing, it is hard to believe. <laughs> Just that, like I got you to fucking stick your stick your big toe in the uh, in the quicksand of that um, the, the attention whoring thing of just and then the, it could come to nothing, and then yeah. it could yeah yeah and I mean also, dude, I still remember, I, I I remember the day, I remember the feeling, I remember everything about it. I remember waking up one morning, I was in. New Hampshire, and I was running the Cape Cod Marathon that morning, and I got up at 4 o'clock, and there had been, like, a huge storm the night before. My alarm went off. I turned my phone on. I looked at um, my notifications, and my new story, The Long Run, had just gone up. And I looked at it on the rankings, and it had leapfrogged. Um, it had gone to number one, and number number three was Dean Koontz, and number two was Stephen King. And I was like fuck and it was just like the when you when you take too much molly and then it all but that would have destroyed once. me that would have destroyed me because i would have seen that and then gone i'm a billionaire now <laughs> <laughs> i have a thing that's higher than a stephen king thing this must mean i've made it but then i also understand how those things work and that that probably translated into you making about five grand. The I did make more money than that. That was okay, before but, every, everybody went viral. But but yeah. but it did do lasting damage to my soul. Yeah, to, to see that, to have that, to get that huge jolt of like I'm a fucking golden god. You know, the, I did run run a fast marathon that day, but the um. But then also, you know, I mean, when we're doing shows around the, the fucking, you know, around England and Scotland and stuff like that, and there's six people there. Oh, is this where you're announcing your new UK tour? Oh, God. I just, there was, I remember being a kid in New Mexico. I was probably like 10. And there was, and it was, it was a show about like uh, whales beaching themselves and the, this, there's this whale that's beached and the guy like gives his permission for them to shoot it with a gun. And then he's like, Oh my God, it was so fucking horrible. And he starts crying. He was like, it was so horrible. It was so horrifying. I'll never, I'll never do that again. I would never do that again. And then after a commercial break, it comes back on and there's like, there's another beached whale. And they were like, we have to shoot it. And he authorizes it again. And then he cries again. And that's how I feel every time I'm like, all right, we're going to do another UK tour. <laughs> Where I'm like, no, this is, is going to be so horrific and traumatizing and degrading. But the, but the reason, you know, part of the reason it is, is because I had that like pure moment where I was like, just turned on my phone in dark, in freezing cold darkness and saw that I was number one. And yeah. then it, ta it takes so much to yeah. recover your humanity from a moment like that. And imagine having that every day. 
Imagine, you know, being the fucking who, whatever, Tom Cruise or, you know, That's, whoever, that... who every day gets that, like, you are fucking number one, but then occasionally gets the days that you aren't. That's one of the and, things about like that people like giving Leonardo DiCaprio shit about fucking, you know, dating women in their 20s. Is I'm like, they, we, oh, yeah. Tell me we, about how he's a victim. They, well, listen, we we have made him into a god. He has he has an, more money than like some fucking small countries do. He can fucking do anything like his name is written in the history books. We're lucky that he's only fucking 19 year olds like he could be he could convince himself that he's like some fucking Greek god and be like, oh, I'm going to turn myself into a porpoise and fuck this pile of lemurs, you know, that he could be doing way worse. We've given him that power. Isn't that basically what Ezra Miller's doing right now? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, we're just we're lucky he's only that he's not fucking dolphins is what I'm saying. We, yeah, that's that's that's. I mean, that's maybe that's take. what we were building. Maybe that's what we were building this whole show up to. <laughs> the, not the announcement of another UK tour or a new cooking but show. We are lucky just, that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is not fucking dolphins. What we're what we're trying to say is we have an open call for dolphins, porpoises, sea creatures of all kind. Hey, you do what you want to those guys. They're always smiling. <laughs> Oh my god. Um I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're so close. We're so close to making a clean exit on this. What yeah. uh what do you have coming up this year? Do you have stuff coming up you're excited about? Um honestly, <laughs> yeah, hello. I mean, I'm hoping to I'm really really fucking hoping to get over uh, I mean, it's only fucking February, but I'm really hoping to get over for October this year for altercation. Um, I'm making a point. I, I don't, I'm not bothered about Vegas this year. I'm not going to do the, you know, the Stanhope thing in Vegas. I'm I'm going to try and do some other shit this year. So I'm really hoping altercation uh, in October, is it? Um, I don't know if no. I'm not going this year. Oh, you know, <laughs> Of course. Um, I also want to go and do the Panaman uh, thing this year with um, with Chad and Andrist and um, Brett and those guys, which is, you know, it's not Panaman, but it is Panaman. And it seems like those guys have some, you know, have a have a good time. So I'll, I'd quite like to go and check that out this year. My my friend Marty Shalders was there and he said that he loved it. But it was so much. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, yeah, I think if you can't think about it in the same way of, that it's Panaman as that we know going to Panaman. You know, it's a different thing, but it's it's also a lot of fun by the sounds of it. So yeah, I, I want to do that. Um, I um, I had the uh, I'm totally dropped this in because I'm fucking telling everybody about this. I had the privilege of um, hanging out with Fat Mike from No FX backstage at the Stanhope gig in um, Vegas recently, and he's got awesome. a show coming up, and he's got a show coming up in May. Uh, here, I think. Um, so I'm gonna throw Doug as many incredibly subtle messages as possible to see if I can get some fucking tickets or passes for that and uh, and go because I was like a massive NoFX fan when I was like a kid. Um, but so that that should be a lot of fun. But um, yeah, just 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 that keeping going with the show. I'm gonna try and get out and do a few more like. Um, get myself a producer 
Uh, that's the next plan. I've got a guy who's coming tomorrow who's trying out to help me produce for my next episode. And if that works, then I'm going to start taking him with me and go and do a few like restaurant reviews and, you know, things like that and just get out in the world a little bit instead of just being tied up here on my own in my, yeah. uh, in my, in my studio. So yeah, I've got, I got some stuff hopefully uh, going on this, uh, this year. This would be so hard to make it happen, but this is what I would want to happen. So mm-hmm. I shot a deer in December. I've you know been a vegetarian for five years. And yep. then I ate the first meat that I'd had in five years, mm-hmm. which was the inner tenderloin of a deer. It's like I shot it on a Tuesday and then I was eating it on Wednesday. So it's incredibly fresh. It's mm-hmm. wild game. Um, and it's the best, the sweetest yeah. cut. And it's, yeah, hack it was like fucking candy. You know mm-hmm. that I, I, you know, I haven't cooked meat in five years. I still remember how to do it, like just sear it on both sides so that it's you know still rare in the middle. And it was like, it was just like so tender and so flaky and so tasty. It was like you know, but, the, but also also food isn't just about what you put it in your mouth. You know, food's about the moment. It's about the fucking experience. It's about the stuff that's tied to it. Like you you don't just remember the best burger you had because the burger was good. You remember it because it's the one that you had straight after you were fucking the hottest girl you've ever fucked in your life and you know it's it's about the moment and all all of that that's why i love food is because it soaks in everything else around it and links it to a meal so you'll remember a meal as being an amazing meal and when you really think about it it wasn't the meal it was the people you were with the place you were it was the experience at the time and all of that is wrapped up because that's how we work we're fucking animals so food is the most important thing to us you know getting from meal to meal and living and just getting sustenance is what our lizard brain still you know ranks as really fucking high up in our experiences and then links everything else that's around that to it so yeah that's why i love food because because it, it you go back through you you think of the five best meals you've had in your life and i bet you any money five of the best other experiences you've had in your life are going to be pretty fucking close to those moments yeah i mean i think that was a lot of it is that the you know the last couple of years have been really rough for me and i've tried to adjust my goals accordingly of like, just get out of bed today or just put pants on or you don't, you don't run a marathon, but just run a mile every day. Mm -hmm. And then shooting a deer with a crossbow is fucking hard. And I worked my ass off just like out there in the cold suffering day after day. And I fucking did it, you know? And then to have that, you know, I've told people this, that I've had, um, I've had meals that were better, but I've never had a meal that was more satisfying than like yeah. shooting that fucking deer. The but it would be awesome to get you out to Ohio and uh and shoot a deer and then have you just cook cook it up. Yeah, I, take, I did something take a similar. week and do like every fucking venison recipe you can think of from you know. Yeah, I did um uh Chad 
but when I was when I was around at Joby's, um, not last time, the time before, about two years ago, I was around at Joby's and uh, Chad bought around a, a big bag of ground venison from one of the deers that he'd uh, he'd shot, and I uh-huh. made it into a uh, shepherd's pie. Oh my god! So like the big, you know, like you know, sort of meat, gravy, mashed potato, vegetable, all layered up and stuff. So fucking good. But again, that's one of the meals that I think about being as like one of the. It's because I was I was with Joby, I was with Chad. We were doing some cool shit, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, the let's let's hang that out there for one of our uh, lifetime bucket list things. Is definitely the, I'll sh- yeah. I'll shoot the deer and you cook it. I mean, it doesn't have to be deer. It could be anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Hack, I love you, buddy. Thank you so much for uh, for taking time to do the podcast. Yeah, I love you too, man. Thank you for having me on eventually once you've run out of people who will bump your numbers. (laughs) Have a good night, brother. You too. Folks, thank you so much for listening. I know there's... uh... A million podcasts out there. We appreciate you uh, you spending your time with us. The um, if you're digging the show, if you're enjoying it, if you if these conversations uh, move you, make you laugh, annoy you, piss you off, um, please take a minute to uh, to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, it helps us grow the show and it helps other people find it. Um, if you'd like to hear bonus episodes song demos just sort of uh, ranting off the cuff uh, conversations all sorts of different uh, bonus material writing advice uh, personal blog posts and stuff like that uh, go to patreon.com slash mishka shivali uh, we will be having monthly episodes up there with my mom and i answering uh, questions from readers 